Do you feel like you have much more potential than you're able to actually realize in life? Maybe you feel that God has placed dreams in your heart, given you desires and aspirations, talents and gifts, but you don't know how to put them all to their full effect. In the month of March, we're going to be looking at how to discover and use your full God-given potential in a new message series called Weed It and Reap. We are continuing our message series called Weed It and Reap, and we are looking at the whole concept that the Bible uh, tells us again and again and again that we should look at our lives as a garden, as a farm, as an orchard. And uh, we should look at the various parts of our lives as different fields in our life. And that each one of those fields, and in fact, we, we, do, we do that actually in our own culture. You know, sometimes, you know, if so, somebody might say, oh, I, I, I'm studying medicine then someone else might say, oh, which field are you concentrating on? You know, so in careers and in studies, sometimes we will call a specific thing a field. And, you know, you know, I'm, in, I, I, you know I'm in this industry. I'm in such and such a field. That's my field of business or that's my field of study. Well, the Bible says that every part of your life is like a field. Your business is like a field or your career is like a field. Um, your family are like a field. Your home is like a field. Your finances are like a field. And money is like seed. Um, the Bible says that you yourself are like a field. And that the kingdom of God is like a man who discovered treasure buried in a field. And the Bible's saying you are that field. And God has buried treasure in you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so you're a field, your mind is a field. And or to quote an old saying, your life is a garden, your thoughts are the seeds. You can grow flowers or you can grow weeds. And weed might be legal, but it's still not the thing you're wanting to grow in your mind. So, um, you know, you, you, your thoughts are seeds, your words are seeds, your prayers are seeds. Your money's a seed. Your actions are seeds. And so last week we looked at cultivating our potential. And we looked at all the different fields in your life. We looked at the fact that that field in your life, that relationship which is not healthy, or that career that isn't really bringing in the money, or that, that whatever it may be, all the fields in your life contain untapped potential. Now, you could just leave it alone. You might not cultivate that potential. You might not plow up the land and the field. You might not plant good seeds there. But the field still contains that potential. And if you just leave it alone, it will grow stuff. It just won't grow the stuff you want it to grow. Instead of flowers or instead of carrots, it might grow dandelions. It will grow weeds if you just leave it. And, the, and your life... The, the different parts of your life, the different fields in your farm, if you neglect them, if you leave them alone, if you don't do what we did la talked about last week, if you don't cultivate the potential in each of those fields, if you just leave them alone, if you neglect them, 
They will grow weeds. They will grow something because fields and soil has the potential to give life and to grow things. They will grow something. You know, if, if, you, uh, um, if, if you don't plant good seeds, if you don't choose the thoughts that you're going to think, your mind will generate other thoughts. It, you know, it will just bring them up. You won't go about with an empty mind. Your mind will be full of something. It might be full of wheat, a good crop of wheat, or it might be full of weeds that are choking the life out of you. But an empty mind is the devil's workshop, and the devil makes work for idle hands. And all of these kinds of sayings that, that, uh, that people have about the fact that when we have, the emptiness is not a good thing. So today, we don't want to just cultivate our potential. Today, we also want to make sure that we uproot from our life any weeds that are choking the life out, anything negative, anything destructive, anything that is consuming your thoughts, your emotions, your finances, your prayers, your energy, it's, it's consuming it, but it is not giving anything back. It's time to weed those roots out of the fields of your life. And so I've called today, Weed Your Garden, and um, I, I want to just remind you of the fact that when God created the world, when God created uh, mankind, the whole story is in the Bible that he placed man and woman in a garden. And he told them to tend the garden. So they were to tend it as gardeners. And not only were they to tend the garden, the Garden of Eden, but they were to expand it, expand its borders and begin. That's chalk from the back. I just noticed that. I got chalk off the back curtain there. I don't, I don't want that in the video. Um, uh, expand the borders of the garden, at, you know, and, and continue to replenish the earth. You might start off with just a little garden in your life. But if you will cultivate its potential, if you will make sure there's not weeds in it, you can begin to expand your horizons, expand the, the borders that you're currently working within, that are currently confining you. Many years ago, I received an email here from a woman that was coming to Gateway. She was coming to the church. And she told me uh, a little bit about her story. And her, the email started with saying, I just want to say thank you for all of the amazing changes that have happened in my life since I started coming to Gateway. And then she told her story about how for most of her life, she was filled with fear. She really battled constant fear. And as she thought about that, she realized that she had been brought up with fear, that her own mother was like paralyzed by fear and was, was such a fearful person that that fear was like transmitted, you know, uh, to, to this woman as she was a child growing up. You know, it's really easy. Kids pick up fear really easy. I remember when one of our daughters was really young and was just learning to walk and wanted to walk down the steps all the time, the stairs, and like we would be nervous and we would say, be careful, be careful. We would say, be careful, but there must have been a tone of voice, a facial expression, a body language, because she used to say, 
okay, I be fearful, I be fearful. We were saying be careful, but obviously it was coming across as be fearful. You might fall down the stairs, you know. And so, you know, even if you don't say the word, I mean, like you, if you've ever lived in an atmosphere of fear, that was what this woman was brought up in. And she said this, my mother's greatest fear was being wrong about God. That God would somehow be angry or displeased with her if she believed something that wasn't like totally accurate. Yeah, because our puny little pea brains are able to completely accurately understand the infinite God, aren't they? You know? No, we're all doing our best to understand. We all misunderstand. The Bible says the things we do know about God, we only know in part. But the day that we actually see him face to face, then we will know all things fully. But we don't right now. But this woman was very worried and fearful about believing the wrong thing about God. And so in this email she said, and so because of that, my mother took us to numerous different kinds of churches. We got baptized multiple times in different churches, most of which I now realize were cults. And were, had all this fear-based thing, you know. All the, uh, there's so many churches and religious groups and organizations that preach fear, that preach guilt, that preach judgmentalism. That, uh, and, and all that is doing is planting seeds of fear in people's minds. But in this email she said, By coming to Gateway, she had managed to uproot the fear from her life and was now free, felt free of it for the first time ever. People, you can allow just something little, some thought, some emotion, some attitude, some area of neglect in life, and it will become a weed. And here's the thing, if you're a gardener, you know this, you plant flowers, You plant vegetables, you need to spend time cultivating them. You plant one weed in there and leave it alone and it will take over the whole garden on its own. So uproot the weeds from your life. We're going to look at four weeds that we we need to uproot from our life. First of all, I want to tell you a parable. It's Jesus, one of Jesus' most famous parables. It's called the parable of the sower. And uh, we have a picture of it here while I tell you. Jesus said there was a man who had a bag of seed. And he went out to plant the seed. And he went out and scattered the seeds about in his field. And the seed landed on four different soil types. And depending on the type of soil... The seed landed on, that depended on the harvest. The seed didn't change. It was the same seed. Do you know what I find interesting? You could be coming to church every week, and the person in the row in front of you could be coming to church every week, and the same messages are being preached here, the same songs are being sung, the same prayers are being prayed. In other words, the same seed is being scattered out and one person might be bearing amazing fruit in their life and the other person may be getting nothing out of it. Sometimes pastors hear this, they they hear it through the grapevine, people saying, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so at church for a few weeks. Yeah, I bumped into them and they said, yeah, I'm just not getting anything out of it. 
is that the problem of the seed? Or is that the problem of the soil type? Let's take a look at what Jesus said. He said the seed lands in four different soil types. Some of it lands on the pathway that went around the field. It was hard ground. Why is a pathway hard ground? Because people have tramped all over it. That's why. And that's why it becomes hard. And he said because of that, the seed lands there. It doesn't get any root. Birds come and eat it and take it away and it's gone. Then he said, some seed lands on rocky soil. You know, there's shallow soil, but lots of stones there. Because there's some soil, the seed can begin to grow. But because it's shallow soil, full of rocks, it doesn't get a deep root. And the sun scorches its roots and it dies. Then some seed falls on thorny ground, ground that thorn bushes are growing in, thorn bushes are weeds, and the seed lands there and the seed begins to take root, but the weeds choke the life out of the seed, and so it can't produce any fruit. But some seed lands on good soil, cultivated soil, rich, fertile soil, and the seed goes in there, and it takes root, and its roots grow, go down deep, and the, it grows into a harvest, bearing up to a hundredfold what was sown into the field. Then Jesus' disciples come and say to him, what does this parable mean? And Jesus says something really interesting. He says, if you don't understand this parable, the parable of the sower, you will not understand any of my parables. This parable is the grandfather of all the parables. This is the key to them all. And here's what Jesus said. Let's look at our next slide. And our first weed is distraction. We need to uproot the weeds of distraction from our life. Here's what Jesus said. Here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. I was driving here this morning on my way to the first service. I was thinking about this message and I was praying about the two services. And, I, and this is what I prayed. I prayed, God, I pray that today you would put your words in my mouth. Let every word that I speak today, let it be a good seed, a positive seed, a life-giving seed, a faith-imparting seed. Let it take root in people's hearts and let it grow in the days and weeks ahead. And may everyone that comes to the services today, may they grow a harvest of blessing in every area of their life. And so, he says here, it's sown into hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slanderer quickly snatches away what was sown into their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. You know, some people just have a closed heart. They won't open up their heart to God. They won't open up their heart to people. They won't open up their heart to church, to the promises of scripture, to all of that stuff. And there might be a reason why. Maybe there's a reason why they've got a hard heart. Maybe people have trampled all over their heart in life. Maybe they've gone to a church where they were judged, they were condemned, they were looked down upon, they were hurt. 
They were rejected. And now they've got a hard heart towards church. Maybe, they, maybe someone who claimed to represent God has harmed or abused them in some way and now they've got a hard heart towards God. You know, maybe they were once married and their spouse cheated on them and now they'll never trust a man again. I've met so many women that will never trust a man again. And listen, not every man's a douchebag, you know. And there's plenty more fish in the sea, but just make sure your heart is, don't open up your heart to any, any loser. And, and, but if you might have hardened your heart because people have walked all over you in life. They've harmed you. They've hurt you. Can I encourage you? Don't harden your heart. Plow up that hard ground. Open your heart to God. See if you find it difficult to trust anyone else. Trust God first. He is trustworthy. The Bible says he's like a friend that will stick closer than a brother. The Bible says that he loves you with an everlasting love. The Bible says you are safe in the Father's hands. Okay, so trust him first and then begin to trust others. Open up your heart. Then he says, the seed falling on the gravel, on the stony ground, it represents those who initially respond to the word with joy. And soon after, when a season of harassment and difficulty comes to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth, and their faith is temporary. I've seen that so many times over the years as a pastor. Uh, I, what I've learned is, like, I, I love it when people are excited about church. Like, get excited about church, please do. But what I've learned is if someone's only been coming for two or three weeks, but they're the most excited person in the room, and they're telling you, your church is freaking awesome, man, it's amazing, it's the best church in the world, we won't see them ever again. That'll be the last time we ever see them, okay? That's what I've learned. Also, they never gave any money before they stopped coming. I've learned that one too. So... <laughs> Some people get all excited. They get excited about their faith. They get excited about uh, that, that new business. They get excited about a new relationship. They get all excited, but it's all shallow. There's no root in it. Let's read on. What else does it say? The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off. By their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, the fleeting pleasures of this life, distractions, 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 fleeting pleasures, just fleeting, something that's distracting you for a short time. I mean, isn't it amazing that somebody could have a field called a marriage and they've been cultivating that marriage for 20 years and then... Oh, she's nice. Oh, fleeting moment of pleasure and you've blown the whole thing. A distraction. Or that person who's wanting to start their online business and they've, been, they've paid for a course and they've done the course and they know everything they want to do. And, but every day they're down in front of their computer and they want to start up their online business. But ding, there's another notification from Instagram. Ding, oh, Facebook, right? Oh, and you've got all these tabs open and you spend all your time distracted, distracted, distracted. Oh, the fleeting pleasure of reading somebody else argue on social media. Let's just do that for a moment. Oh, and before you know it, three hours have gone by. 
Distractions people. Look. And then he says the seeds that fell into good fertile soil represents those lovers of the truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is a seed that will one day bear much fruit in their life. People, we need to get rid of all these distractions in our life. Let's read on. What else do we need to get rid of? We need to get rid of the, the weeds of disappointment. Sometimes the thing that will stop us doing th- something is the fact that we tried something before and we're disappointed. Sometimes it is the emotion, the emotion of disappointment that you need to uproot from your life. But sometimes it's the thing that's causing the disappointment that you need to uproot. Now, before we read this verse, I want to, it's important that I share this point because this will give a balance to something I said last week. Last week I said, we looked at a verse which said, there is much wealth in the uncultivated fields of a poor person. But bad judgment causes it to be lost. And so I said, every field in your life, every field that seems like a poor field, a field that's not producing a harvest, there is much wealth in it, but it's uncultivated. And one of the examples I used was I said, that business that you've got, that business that you started that's failing, that isn't succeeding, there is potential in that business to succeed. There's as much potential to succeed as there is to fail. But here is a balancing word. It is possible that there's some department in that business, some area in that business that needs to be uprooted because it is causing the disappointment. Look at this. Jesus told this story, a man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always, what? Disappointed. Have you ever had something like that in your life? Has there been something that you've had high hopes for? that you were hoping was going to work out, you were praying for it, you were believing for it, you were planning for it, but every time you looked at it, you were disappointed. Hey, for those of you who are employers, have you ever had an employee (laughs) that every time you looked at them, you were disappointed? (laughs) Right? Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space. We let things take up space in our life that are not producing any fruit. We let things take up space in our head that aren't producing any fruit. He says it's just taking up space in the garden. Now I want you to notice how the owner of the garden and the gardener, his employee, looked at this very, very differently. The owner says, the the owner is very pragmatic. The owner is not sentimentally attached to the tree, okay? The owner is very pragmatic. This tree has taken up room in the garden. It's not bearing fruit. It's using up nutrients from the soil that the other plants could get. Chop the thing down. 
But the gardener who doesn't own it, who's, who's not the owner, he's, he's developed a sentimental attachment to the tree. Oh, let's, let's keep it here a bit longer. Let's just like, give it another chance. I, I, you know, you know I'll, I'll shovel as much BS as I can onto this thing to get it to grow. And that's exactly what happens in life. You come up with all kinds of reasons to, why you should allow that thing, that fruitless tree that's taking up room in your life, you can come up with a million reasons why you should leave it there. But it's all those reasons are a bunch of fertilizer, okay? That's all it is. It's a bunch of excuses. People, I know of churches, pastors have told me this, where there's some ministry in the church. You know, I, I, I don't want to think up one in case, because whatever I think up will offend somebody. But some ministry in the church that was once a good ministry and it was busy and it was thriving, but it served its purpose. It's gone. It's no longer needed anymore. But the pastors are scared to stop the ministry because little Sister Brown, really, she loves that ministry and she'll throw a fit and stop giving money to the church and start a revolution in the congregation if we stop that ministry. I know of a church where they had a, a stage like ours and they had media and sound equipment and everything else, but for some reason over here, there was this ancient antique organ that had not been played for 10 years and was out of keeping with everything else on the platform. And the pastor every year, instead of moving it, because the worship leader was always telling the pastor, I want rid of that thing. We don't even play it. Nobody knows how to play it. The pastor was like, oh, we can't do it. The Johnson family paid for that. Yeah, their grandparents paid for it. They're like, they're in heaven now. Right, you know, yeah, yeah, but the Johnson family give a lot of money to the church. We can't move it. But nobody plays it. Yeah, but they see it every week. And so this pastor, instead of chopping the tree down, now if I was the pastor, I might have actually I think I might have really chopped it up. I think I would have said, hey, after the service today, we're having fire pits and s'mores out the back. Come on! <laughs> so he left and the new pastor came, didn't know the history. The first day he moved that stupid thing out the road and the family freaked out. And he's like, no, no one even knows how to play the organ. No one's played it for 10 years. But somehow or other, there was all of these BS reasons, fertilizer reasons, to keep the thing here. People, some things don't look like weeds in your life. They look like something that should be producing fruit, but they're not producing fruit. Can I give you some advice? Chop them down. Chop them down and uproot everything that is simply a constant disappointment to you and to your plans. Next point. Let's do the next one. Uproot delay. Uproot delay. Manana, manana. We'll do it tomorrow. You know, there's, there's this whole thing about putting things off. Even good things, let's put them off. Let's put them off. Jesus said to the chief priests, a man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out to work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go, but later changed his mind. 
By the way, that's what the word repent means. The word repent doesn't mean feel really bad for yourself while you're cowering down, while an angry preacher is shouting, repent! You know, that, or, or those people that are out in the streets, you know those ones that are out with the megaphone? I mean, like, I'm a Christian and sometimes I've wanted to take the megaphone off of them, you know, it's like, jerk. No, it simply means change your mind. That's what the word means. Oh, I've suddenly realized that I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm changing my mind and I'm doing the right thing. He changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will go. I say all the right words. I'm a nice religious boy. I say all the right, yes, sir. But he didn't go. Jesus said, which of the two sons obeyed the father? They replied, the first. And then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. He's saying that the, the priests, the chief priests, the religious people, they say, oh, I, I serve God. And they could talk all about God, but they weren't, living, they weren't living for God. When God sent his son, they reject him. But all of these sinners who are not living for God, they change their mind and say, yes, this is what I want. Do you know that at any moment you have the power to change your mind and say, I am going to stop allowing delays to hold me back. I'm going to stop pressing the pause button and putting my whole life on hold until the day I die and then I realize I've missed it and it's passed me by. I'm going to live the life that God created me to live. I am going to dream a dream and then I'm going to achieve that goal. I'm going to cultivate my God-given potential. I'm going to plant good seeds in my life. I'm going to reap a harvest. I am choosing right now no more delays, no more saying, yes, yes, I'll do it and then never getting around to do it. I'm going to be the person that does it. I'm going to uproot delay. And then our last, very last weed is defilement. Defilement. You know, you have, you know, you, if somebody's making, if, if, if a vineyard is making wine, but somehow or other the wine gets contaminated, the wine is defiled. Once it's defiled, it can no longer be used. And you know, very often we allow things in our lives that defile us things in our life that contaminate us, things in our life that are choking us. The Bible says work at living in peace with everyone. And the reason it says work is because God knows what people are like, and some of them it takes a lot of work to live in peace with them. And work at living a holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, defiling many. Have you ever noticed that if you have a garden and your fence is there and your neighbor's garden's there, you could be planting roses here or carrots or whatever it may be, and your roses or your carrots will stay in the place where you planted them. They don't move around, they stay there. And in fact, to make the roses or the carrots grow fully, you have to look after them. 
But have you ever noticed that if you've got weeds growing in your garden, you don't have to look after them at all. They look after themselves. And not only that, they don't stay in the place. They start spreading everywhere. They don't just defile your garden. You look and they've grown under the fence and now they're defiling your neighbor's garden as well. And so it's saying here, a poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, defiling many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You know, bitterness in your heart, allowing yourself to become bitter to become critical, to become spiteful. In your heart, not only will that choke you from bearing fruit, but it's like, it's like the coronavirus. It spreads. You know, you could have, just like they do in the news, you could have a, you, every church could have a, a, a nightly news, you know. Well, as gossip and bitterness has spread, we have got 14 more members in quarantine and two died last night of bitterness. And you know, it's like a disease and it needs to be uprooted. People, if you've got distractions in your life, if there's things that you, sh you should be doing but you're distracted by other things, let's get them uprooted. If you've got disappointments in your life, if the thing that is stopping you taking a step of faith and living the life that God wants you to live is the fact that you've been disappointed in the past, your past is not your future. Make a decision to uproot disappointment and anything causing continual disappointment from your life. If you continually delay in making the decisions that you should be making or you're allowing things in your life that shouldn't be there, let's get rid of it all. Come on, let's stand up together and say this prayer to get rid of all of these things. I don't know, I don't know your life, you know your life. I don't know which field of your life these things apply to. You do. So in your mind, as we say this prayer, you be applying it to your own life specifically. Right, come on. Stretch. Hands up in the air. Let's get ready to say this prayer together. Let's say, with God's help, I will uproot from my life all distractions, disappointments, delays, and defilements. I will plant good seeds in every field of my life. 